0: This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgment if there are little ears around. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by the Family Planning Victoria Schools and Community Team. My name is Anne. I'm part of the Schools and Community Team and we go to schools and run classes for all year levels on bodies, growing up, puberty, sex, reproduction and relationships. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so we can share what goes on in a Relationships and Sexuality Education class and help support these sorts of conversations at home. Today I'm talking with Fida Sanjakta. Her biography on the Monash University website reads, I am a senior, senior Lecturer in the Faculty of Education at Monash University. My research interests lie in the area of Sexuality Education the intersections between religion, culture and sexuality education, teaching controversy, real-world ethics and democratic education. At Family Planning Victoria, we strongly advocate for a strong home, school and community partnership when delivering a comprehensive sexuality education program. Relationships and sexuality education programs should present non-biased, evidence-based and scientifically accurate information. This provides young people an opportunity to check in with their own values, beliefs and faith-based structures to make sense of that information in a way that's meaningful for them. This is when the home and community environments, including a person's religious and faith-based influences, can be really important. As a sexuality educator, I find that I'm often required to navigate the line between what might be considered the role of teaching and that of parenting also the ways that this education can be respectful of the cultural or religious values of the school community. I'm really interested in Fida's perspective on the role of sexuality education and how to walk the line of controversy which we find ourselves so often on. So, Fida, thank you so
1: much for talking to me. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Um, My first question for you is what has drawn you to the research in the field of sexuality education and how it intersects with religion and culture?
1: Well, my initial interest in this field came um, from my experience in a local Islamic school where I was teaching at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, particularly interested in issues of curriculum and pedagogy more broadly because that was my focus in both my undergraduate and my postgraduate studies. But then I realised that as part of the whole curriculum planning and the pedagogical decision-making of teachers, that there were certain subjects that were deliberately omitted. And I could link immediately that that was what I had studied as Mm -hmm. part of the null curriculum, which is one of five curricula in curriculum theory that talks about how certain knowledge areas are deliberately omitted because they are deemed to be in violation to certain ethics so uh, it 's so a very
0: sexuality education fit into that area
1: absolutely so sexuality education I, I also taught English at the schools, so there were certain books that had to go through a very careful screening process, so they had a very clear working null curriculum and i couldn 't wrap my i wrestled with that idea because. Um, I know that Islamic education and these Islamic schools were espousing, in both their documents and to their parents, a holistic curriculum and a holistic education. And so how were they adhering to that when they were deliberately making choices about Mm. what knowledge to include and what knowledge to omit? And you saw that as censorship? Absolute censorship. And I couldn't understand it and I couldn't get a justification for it. And at the same time, uh, even though I was born into the Muslim faith and I'm a devout and practicing Muslim, I was, it is, has been and still is a very much a learning journey for me. Mm-hmm. So I was growing up with this idea that we have to learn everything. You know, there are over 800 verses in the Qur'an the Quranic scripture that talks about the importance of learning and yet these people were engaging in a highly political activity of deliberately demarcating what knowledge is of worth mm-hmm. and what knowledge is not. Yeah. And and I, it, it really troubled me. So then I embarked on uh, a Masters of Ed that explored that and then a PhD that looked more specifically then at one particular area of controversy which I found that was happening across many of the schools and that was the area of sexuality.
0: Yeah. Wow. Could you explain a little bit about your role now here at Monash University?
1: So at the moment, I've been at Monash for 10 years. I've come from the University of Melbourne where I taught for five years and where I was a perpetual student. Um, Currently at Monash, I'm senior lecturer in the Faculty of Education and I'm one of uh, the members of the Curriculum and Pedagogical Teaching Team and I'm also secondary course leader for the Beard honours in secondary and the in teach, so I overlook the quality of those courses and the design for those two. It's
0: been my experience when going to schools with a high population of students that are aligned to a particular faith, that families often withdraw their children from sexuality education. From your experience with the Muslim faith and more broadly, why do you think there is and is there a way of delivering sexuality education that would be more acceptable to those families?
1: I think what's a recurring theme is uh, amongst uh, members of the wider Islamic faith is that uh teaching in this space will just sim- simply compromise fundamental Islamic beliefs, even though my own research in little pilot groups with parents have actually uh, demonstrated the contrary, that they are actually quite open mm. to this curriculum teaching. So their
0: families are? Families, families are
1: open? Families are, and they also recognise its importance and they recognise how fundamental it is and almost synonymous some in their responses to Islamic education because it deals with the whole facet of their life. But what they find still troubling are those vexing questions of who's going to do it, when is it going to be done, what topics are going to be taught and how. Mm. And so all of the debates around this area all go back to those questions. And so... Is it
0: something that's considered parenting in those those families that do have the religious background?
1: Yes, and if when I talk... Um, I should preface this by saying when I talk about the Islamic viewpoint, I do take the Quranic... Um, interpretation of islam and not necessarily talk about individual muslims or, or the mus- muslim world and yes it is part of islamic responsibility on uh, child upbringing and there is a specific islamic pedagogy as well that's highly integrated in that so while it is still part and parcel of islamic parental responsibility nowhere in the islamic uh, scripture or associated literature does it say that they can't be schooled Mm -hmm. on this as well so first we have to be really clear that there are differences between schooling and education so students can still get this education from elsewhere so from parents, from home, from networks, from the mosque, for example. from But they can also be schooled mm. in this. But it's that aspect of schooling that's problematic because we go back to those four questions. Mm.
0: And those areas of schooling or education can include parts of the world that aren't within the faith
1: also? Well, everything. that, that This is the interesting thing. Um, Muslims don't live a secular life. So everything a Muslim does... Is grounded in faith, Mm. so there is no topic that is that cannot be spoken of or taught. In fact, we are we are highly encouraged to learn about everything, including and that's every topic in sexuality as well, including some of the more problematic, more progressive topics like gender fluidity, for example, or the LGBTQI relations, pleasure and desire. So they're kind of topics that are starting to come in. Sexuality education in the last decade or so and we're moving away like from a hygienic perspective or a purely biological perspective. And but all facets relevant to sexuality is important for a Muslim child. Yes. Yeah, and it's part of their holistic education. And so that's why it's very problematic when they are removed from mm. that, whether it be from the classrooms deliberately or whether they're not getting it at home. Mm. If those
0: two things are intertwined—the content and the the overlay of faith—does mm. that mean it's more acceptable to come from a person within the faith?
1: I think parents would appreciate that a topic like this is spoken from an Islamic perspective. Um, but who again will teach that mm. will deem problematic? And and schools know that because there are various interpretations. Of Islam and there are various people who take different uh, positions and if they choose not to say for example speak from it from a purely uh, scripture perspective then that might be deemed problematic so parents would again want to know who is, is teaching that but uh, I think if there was some kind of an alignment between uh, a deliberate in- religious inclusive in this and then again, network with the parents. I yeah. know from the parents that I've worked with, they will certainly be welcome yeah. to to an opportunity like that. And I, I'm sure that there, there have been opportunities like that put to them, Yeah. but uh, no one I know from either from personal spaces or from my own area of research, no one opposes to living in a secular world. No one opposes to having the children be educated in this space it just comes down to what exactly and then there's this always this fear of guarding their responsibilities and their issues of um not compromising their beliefs Mm. so it's 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 a delicate space but it's not an impossible space you have a paper entitled beyond the
0: classroom the role of controversy and real world ethics in education can you talk more about the teaching of controversy and how that applies to relationships and sexuality
1: education? I like positioning these topics as controversial topics because what that does is immediately um, send, immediately makes the topic a critical one, and it, it allows people to engage in critical thinking. When a topic is when a particular topic is positioned as a controversial topic. It allows for students to understand that it is a topic that has both elements of facts and opinion. So it immediately suggests to the students that this this, topic is debatable, that this topic uh, can be explored but it is debatable and so it doesn't put it in the null curriculum. It doesn't say that this is a too hard basket or it doesn't say that we can't talk about it and some schools are doing that and I think that's why some of the controversial topics in some school curricula is working because teachers' pedagogical approaches are allowing students to immediately recognise that this is something that's debatable, that this is something that's controversial. Some teachers in my own research have said that they can't they open up a topic and say this topic is a theory. Hmm. This is what some people think about. So, what it does beautifully, and I think, is particularly in the topic of sexuality education, is does two things. First, it, it recognises that that there are certain people in the room. Uh, say, for example, um, by, by, by making a statement to students that religious perspectives in sexuality education is a controversial topic. What you do immediately is two things, one you acknowledge that religion is pivotal to some people in that particular classroom and my own research has indicated that religion is actually a cognitive function that students use to make sense of these topics and two what it does is it um, presents to students who perhaps have no religion or are anti-religion that this is a particular perspective. Mm. And so it speaks in a wider dialogue about developing understandings about others and not other-in. And then so in a wider dialogue, encouraging them to engage in topics in a democratic space. So it's a win-win. I think it's a win-win because Mm. you're, you're doing something to acknowledge the whole notion of diversity in this space and both to the students who are Upholding particular faiths and you're also speaking to it as a more democratic, egalitarian area and in the hope that people can just understand, well, now I get a better sense of why my friend here who identifies as Hindu, for example, doesn't engage in certain practices or doesn't agree with this. Mm. So I think it has, by working within a pedagogical framing, I think that's the great benefit of Mm. doing that. It doesn't silence Mm. topics, it opens up things for debate, it puts in place certain social conditions that allow students to respect the give and take of information, that there are things that have both fact and opinion, Mm. the importance of talking but also in listening, so all those social skills come through and it kind of realigns power in curriculum decision making. It doesn't give power to just teachers or those in authority who demarcate knowledge of worth and not worth. Mm because no one really is in the position to say, I think you need to learn this and I don't think you need to learn that. Mm, And I love what, that's what controversy does. Yes,
0: and that's, it's what you're saying is really shifting um, how I think about going into classes that I feel like what I present is factual and the information is just what happens in the world. And it's not really controversial because I'm just saying what there is.
1: Yes, yes. And that's interesting because in, in some people's, Um, Viewpoint, because they have a different viewpoint of what is Mm. the purpose of life. They could see some of that factual information even a little bit differently. Yes, for example, I'm sure. Uh, Yeah, and I think. But again, I think by always prefacing something as this is an idea, this is a theory, this is a possibility, it's a way of breaking the ice but also acknowledging you. if you bring differences, you've got a place in this too. And it's okay to talk about that. And it's okay to talk Mm. talk about that. Could you just quickly explain the word pedagogy? Sure. So pedagogy in very simple terms is the art and craft of teaching. So it's basically what teachers do in the classroom with students. And essentially though, um, the best way perhaps to talk about pedagogy is that relation. It's how teachers work on relating with students to deliver certain areas of knowledge. Mm. So you could have a wonderful, for example, a wonderful maths teacher, but if he can't translate that maths understanding to his students, we can say quite generally he has a very poor pedagogy.
0: Mm -hmm. You've published an article several years ago in the conversation titled Telling Kids Homophobia is Wrong Won't Stop Bullying in Schools. That was in 2014. Mm. In this article, you talked about a strategy, quote, to shift responsibility away from individual students and onto schools and teachers to use sexuality education to explore historical, cultural and religious roots of homophobia and transphobia, end quote. Are teachers equipped to talk about cultural and religious roots of homophobia and if they were, how would that combat being bullied or how, uh,
1: how might same-sex attracted students benefit from that? I, I remember this paper because it was a joint collaboration with colleagues, and I think we were taking the bit of the moral high ground and quite a utopian perspective that about actually and speaking a little bit more broadly about the importance of having qualified teachers in this space. And I'm still quite an advocate that if... Let me give you some con- contextual background. For a very long time this particular subject has been almost just given to those with a hpe background a health and physical education and most of those teachers will say i'm quite a novice sexuality educator um, yeah, they're going and to teaching given, to play basketball or whatever ex- exactly yeah. <laughs> but you'll find most of those teachers that teach in that space are just with a health and pe because it's almost um, assumed that they, they have that that qualification but that but they don't and they're very mm. very nervous about it there have been since then quite a few endeavors within the university to properly equip students to graduate as sexuality educators with specific courses and i think if if we if that's been done properly yes i think you can expect teachers to not present an ad hoc kind of perspective on this, and have them fully qualified to bring in that historical, cultural, and religious roots to homophobia in the same way that I would expect a history teacher to have to be well versed in history events mm. uh, at the moment. I probably don 't have that, but I think it is still something we could um, aspire to, but I think the shift in moving this uh, more than just a student responsibility more of a whole school responsibility is to make more visible the importance of uh, contributing to the whole notion of respect mm. and the more of the social justice. So it's not an individual responsibility, it's a whole school to endorse that everyone has a right to safety, everyone has um, a, 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 a right to be who they are and to express that without pe- people being so politically correct, for example. And so I think that will also help alleviate, I think, some of the, the statistics that are always demonstrating that this is a space where individuals are struggling with. Mm. So if we have this as a shared responsibility, it will become a shared discourse even in the whole notion of bullying. There's no school that endorses bullying. So this would be part of that. So I think the wider scope of, of that is to appreciate that responsibility goes more than just the individual, Let it become a shared responsibility and let's talk about it as a s- part of the discourse of bullying and part of the discourse of safer communities and then, it, then everyone is able to be... Uh, c- ..can combat that type of bullying. Um, mm,
0: but it might take more training for, for teachers to do well.
1: I, I think so. I think... And I think talking about... Um, cultural and religious roots of homophobia is particularly imp- important for those that identify as, as part of LGTBQI and those that don't because I, I, what I find people are missing are just simple understandings. You know, that if it, we just understand where people are coming from and why they believe in what they believe, there's, there's no need to stress that we have to have consensus. There's no need to stress that we need to... Uh, totally agree but we have to just appreciate that there is an understanding and that there is an ability to converse on those differences with respect and I think I think that's that's really important I think what's equally important in, in this debate is not to assume that we can solve the whole issues of homophobic bullying which is a serious issue by necessarily creating these huge changes as well these changes are important Because, as I said, they speak wider to the social justice principles and and things that schools want to adhere to. But I think equally important is to develop resilience in the individuals. So, for example, I'm a practising Muslim. I adhere to modest Islamic dress. I cannot wait in my lifetime to seek or converse or, or, or convert people to accept me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm comfortable mm-hmm. and understand with what I do and and I have that resiliency, then I can live who live in live as I choose to live. So I think that's really important as well mm-hmm. that for those people of difference, that we have kind of two curriculars working side by side where you've got that whole community level of support but you've also got an individual tailor-made support system going to to develop resilience mm. and confidence and confidence mm. for that person to stand their ground even if they feel different because i think you will all people of difference will always feel different mm. and i think that's really 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 far more stronger than trying to change a whole nation yes perspective.
0: Uh, You have a paper titled Dialogic Teaching Towards Reconfiguring Classroom Talk About Sexuality. How might sexuality education be reconfigured? So what is it now and how might it be?
1: Yes, I, uh, to give you just a quick background about this paper, I uh, again came out of a study I did with some New Zealand colleagues and it was a classroom observation of a novice sexuality education teacher who was absolutely wonderful as as a person very experienced PE teacher and but his approach to teaching this was comical to say the least because <laughs> he drew on his own heterosexual sexual experiences in the classroom and um he so what i did in this particular paper was i just wanted to demonstrate that this the fact that there are all of these problems that teachers face when they're novice teachers and um even though they are Genuine and absolutely committed. If they were had the better training, and if they, if they, we had the right teachers in those classrooms teaching this topic, and also permission from leadership to talk about it, and permission and flexible school systems and the support um, that there are, there is so much more that can be happened. So what I do is I engage in a dialogue in this paper. So I present. Uh, uh, excerpts from the transcript of what the teacher did and then I insert my conversations alongside it to show what he could have done to engage in the topics that we need to be talking about so he did a very popular uh, classroom activity of putting a condom on a dildo and um, the whole conversation with his students around that and clearly could see students had multiple hands were going up and they, had, uh, all, they were inquisitive as children are and had all these questions and, and then some of them were shying away from it but he was adamant that all he wanted his students to do was identify there was a due date on the condom pack, make sure that, that it was within due date and put it on. And that's it. And it was really quite funny because it, one of the questions he asked the students was, and then once it's done, um, what happens next? And the student said, go home. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? and it's just as so simple. So what I wanted to demonstrate that if that teacher was a little bit more careful and a better positioned in terms of confidence and, pref- and also content knowledge... This would have been an opportunity to talk about consent. This would have been an opportunity to ask students, well, what really should be happening before you're given a condom? Forget the due by day. Have you had a conversation about whether there's mutual consent? Mm. Have you, and what if there's not? Let's practice being able to confidently say, you know, I'm not ready for this or, or if you are what would you say? You could do lots of scripts so there was an opportunity to talk about consent there was an opportunity to talk about rights there was an opportunity to talk about pleasure mm, there was an opportunity And negotiation. negotiation and desire and all of those things rather than just merely... He keeps saying Have you checked the due by date? Have you checked the due by date? And and so they were missed opportunity. They were missed pedagogical opportunities. So I wanted to demonstrate through a real-life example on what's been presented in the literature as important discussions to have. And here you go. Here's something most teachers often do. Hmm. Uh, How to put a condom on is still very popular in the classrooms. But how could you do that? with talking about all of those other associated issues that are very important. Oh, Fida, I feel like you've given our programs a tick of
0: approval, because our <laughs> first step in uh condom procedure is ask for consent, Yeah, so oh, wonderful. pleased to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Um, Fida, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been really interesting, and it's given me a lot to think about uh, going into classes and talking with different community groups. Thank so you. Thank you so I'm, much. Oh, you're
1: very welcome. <laughs> thank you again for the opportunity.
0: Thank you to Fida and I'm going to just end by trying to pull out a few uh, key points from our conversation. Some things I heard Fida say are sexuality education is often omitted from schools on the grounds that it's very difficult. Islamic schools have a holistic approach to education, which Fida says should include sexuality education. All young people need to feel safe and supported at school and should be allowed opportunity to discuss different views. Teachers need more training to do this. If you'd like more information about Fida and her many papers and articles, I recommend Googling her name, Fida Sanjakdar, F-I-D-A-S-A-N-J-A-K-D-A-R. I'm going to link to her Monash University biography in the episode notes. If you'd like more information on Victorian Education Department policies on special religious instruction in government schools, they have information on their website. I'll link that in the episode notes also. This includes approved providers of special religious instruction for government schools. Policies like this will vary from state to state in Australia. Relationships and sexuality education is written into both the Australian curriculum and the Child Safe Standards independent and religious schools within Victoria align to these also however they may have their own specific policies about religious instruction and sexuality education if you're unsure about where your school stands on this you might like to ask thank you very much for listening for more information about family planning Victoria you can go to fpv.org.au you can follow family planning on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter you can contact us at Doing It Directly Uh, Our email is doingit at fpv.org.au. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. If you like it, give us a great review. Thanks very much.